I um, <clears throat> had a little time over the break. I took a week off and uh, I did something I probably maybe shouldn't have done, but I just need to do. I, I've been going through enormous boxes and stuff and, you know, we we have moved rooms from downstairs to upstairs so she didn't have to navigate the stairs. And so we just piled stuff into boxes and moved from a larger room into a smaller room and all that kind of stuff. So. So I'm going through those boxes and trying to sort through, you know, what do I do with this? Do we keep this, throw this, all that kind of stuff, which is a, a very odd uh, experience to uh, to go through. Uh, but but I had something kind of interesting as I was going through some of those boxes. I found uh, a notebook of Norma's and uh, <clears throat> last time I was preaching uh, a few weeks ago, I've been out. Uh, last week, uh, we had some kids that came and helped us for family worship, and it was a great time. Um, today, we have someone else helping us, and that's my wife, Norma. Um, so she's obviously not here, So, but uh, you will get the benefit of this, and you may have heard it. I was going through her notebook, and in that notebook, I found uh, some notes that she had written about a presentation that she made to our ladies group uh, a few years ago. And uh, and I started reading through them and I started reading through them with the context of where she was then and where she is now and and all of that. And I thought that it was something that uh, I probably needed to hear for myself in 2016. And perhaps um, you need to hear something of it as well for your thoughts about 2016. And, and this is what I took out of some of those notes that, that I got from her like she was speaking uh, in my ear. Um, and this was it, just in a nutshell. Don't hang your head. Don't hang your head. You're a child of the king. Don't hang your head. And, and she was speaking on the king. I think that was the theme that year, being the child of the king or something or daughter of the king. I think that's what it was or something. And so uh, I, I, I kind of took that and I thought there's something to what she's saying here. And I thought, about how, how do you how do you get there? What was what is that all about? And I started looking up some of the verses that she had there and some others that I kind of pulled together. And I and I and I realized that that she had this sense about this relationship that she had with her God. John 3, 3 was the verse that she quoted. So Jesus replied, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. There is something she saw very clearly and firmly about this kingdom relationship, about being born again, about belief, about faith in God that that opened up the doors to everything that that we are in our relationship with God and really in life. I looked up John 1:22 says, "Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God." Romans 8:16 says, "The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God." There is this this sense of belief and confirmation within our hearts and minds that says to us, we are children of God. 
We are those whom he has placed his special care and special love on. To quote Norma exactly from her notes, she said, you need to decide that the price has been paid. The price for your relationship has been paid. You need to act like a child of the king. You need to know with confidence that nothing can separate you from the kingdom. Not tribulation, not illness, not physical limitation. And I'm thinking about all the place where she was in the middle of her cancer. None of those things, not financial issues, nothing can separate you from the love of God. We belong to him. That's her quote with my little inserts a few places. You see, Norma was Norma was a believer in this idea of Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 14. If you have your Bibles, flip over there with me. Or I think it may come up on the screen. But Ephesians, excuse me, I didn't have it marked here. Let me chase over there. Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 14. Says this. Listen to these verses. I, I preached a whole series of messages on this passage years ago. It says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight." In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the depositor guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Do you, do you hear all the stuff that's in that about, about what this God has done for us? He's blessed you. He chose you. He predestined you for adoption as sons and daughters. He redeemed you. He forgave you. He lavished his grace upon you. He made known to you the mysteries of his good pleasure. He is making you like him. He's marked you with the seal of the Holy Spirit. You have become his inheritance. 
His glory is praised because of you. Do you you hear all that? You're so quiet, I don't know if you hear it. Tell me yes, amen. Is this good? I mean, these are, these are incredible things. I might want to go back and preach a whole series on this again. Just think about this. Before the creation of the world, before anything that ever was, was, he was thinking of you. Do, do you understand that? Do you understand how special that makes you? He was thinking of you before there was anything else. He already had you in mind. He had you and a relationship with you in mind from the very beginning. That's it. And when we messed up, anybody not messed up? Okay, I'm just telling you, because sometimes people go around life and they think, I don't need this God stuff, I'm okay. You're not okay, I'm sorry, I'm not one of those preachers. And if you think you are, guess what? You got pride, so you're messed up. I'm just telling you, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. At least that's what scripture says. And he knows it. And in the midst of that, he has a plan for us. He redeemed us. He forgave us. He, he called us unto himself. That His plan was for a love relationship with us in spite of who we are. That's pretty good stuff. And in that process, he's whispering in our ear all the time, this is what I'm about. This is who I am. This is where I'm going. This is what I want for you. He's revealing himself to us along the way. I love this. We are his inheritance. Have you ever thought about that? What's the inheritance of God? Okay, we've just come out of Christmas. We understand this, right? You have people on your list who you just say, what do I get them? They got everything already. You know, what do I give to my 91-year-old father? I mean, he's got every tool in the shed. He's got more clothes than he'll wear. He wears the same thing all the time. What do you get a guy like that? A gift card to go out to eat. That's like, I don't know. I mean, he eats. But I, I mean, you know that kind of thing. Okay, well, what's the inheritance of God? He's got everything already, right? Eternal life. Eternal life. Well, he's already got eternal life. You're not going to give him eternal life. Yeah. <laughs> Scripture tells us that Of all the things he could say, okay, if I could only pick one thing, what would it be? It'd be you in the plural form. That's what scripture says. We have become his inheritance. The thing that he wants above all else is us. And we know that, right? Heaven and earth, it's all passing away. Not going to be anymore. That's it. Something weird going on here. (laughs) Got a ring going on. But of all those things, do you get this? Okay, so half of you are smiling, half of you are looking at me like, "Ah, so what? I'm just telling you, this is good news. He has chosen you and me. That makes you pretty important to God. Pretty special to Him. You see, 
People who have walked with God closely understand those things. King David in Psalm 103, look, look back there with me if you would. Psalm 103 is one of those great passages, one of Norma's favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, you know, speaks, David is, is talking about this relationship that he has with God and, and, and he's exalting. He's, what's his story? He's going to praise the Lord. He's going to praise God for all that he is. And, and he just keeps saying it in Psalm after Psalm after Psalm. But 103 it was just one of those special places where he spoke about, about this God of his and his great praise for him and what that relationship was like. And he says this in Psalm 103, he says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I got to thinking about that. This one more time. This is, this is David talking about God and all of his benefits for us, just like Paul was talking about, about the relationship with God and all of the benefits of that. David goes on and he says, he says, he's the one who forgives us. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who redeems us. He's the one who crowns our heads. He's the one who satisfies us. He's the one who renews us. Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Anybody need that one? I'd take that one. He works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. He is great. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse. He will not harbor anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Actually, it's not very far because if we think circular, it goes back to the same place. But in their mind, they're thinking flat. It's a long way, right? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of king we have. That's the kind of kingdom relationship we have. That's the kind of father we have. Normal was going on about all of this stuff. And then in her notes, in her notes, she says these, these things. And she's quoting the rest of the chapter, verses 13 through 18, when she says this. Norma says, 
All this he does, knowing that we are like the flowers of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow. And I read that and I thought, oh my goodness. Here's my wife in the middle of her cancer treatments. Speaking to generations of women. Talking to them about this gracious, compassionate father. This kingdom relationship. And she's highlighting this passage that says... This kind of love relationship is not contingent on us being forever. It is who he is. We're here today and gone tomorrow, but God's love endures forever. She is still living in God's great love in heaven. before. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children who with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts God's love never changes from one generation to the next it never changes that's the kind of kingdom relationship we have I got a Facebook message from an old friend this week. She was celebrating the 20th anniversary of her husband's death. He was a missionary killed in a car accident on the field with us. And uh, she said, I just wanted to tell you something that Norma told me 20 years ago. Norma told me, God will honor your heart. God will honor your heart from generation 
to generation. And she said, David, I just want to tell you what Norma told me. That God will honor your heart. Because we live in this kingdom relationship of God's great love for us. Generation after generation after generation. We are in this kingdom relationship with God. And then she asked the question that is normal in her notes. How then will we live in the kingdom? How then will we live in this kingdom? If we know that this is the kind of kingdom relationship that is available to us, how then will we live? And she said, you can live in the kingdom like a visitor. I love this. You can live in the kingdom like a visitor. That is, you can kind of breeze in and breeze out. You can kind of look at God and say, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's good study. That's a good reflective thought. And you can kind of breeze in on the edges of the kingdom. You all have visited other places, right? We had a great trip. You guys sent us on a great trip, uh, I don't know, almost four years ago to Europe. Wonderful time. I mean, we saw stuff. We saw Buckingham Palace. We saw the changing of the guard, which, by the way, takes like an hour and a half. And they could easily do it in about 10 minutes if they just I don't I don't I never really got that. You know, we arrived like three hours early to get a good spot right by the fence so we could watch. And it was like, OK, well, but we saw it. It was cool. We get to see that we went to Rome and we saw more history than you could ever imagine. If you want to see history, Rome's a place to go. It's piled on top of each other. I mean, just centuries. They just built on top of each other, stole each other's building blocks and just did their kind of thing. It's just like overwhelming. It's like. Stuff you just see. I mean, it's, it's cool. And we went, to, we went to France and we saw the Eiffel Tower and we saw the Museum of the Louvre and all those other things. We, it was great. We were visitors. It was wonderful. Right? And you can visit the kingdom kind of like that. You can kind of come to church and say, oh, that's kind of nice. You know, nice people and all. And, and kind of, oh, that's God talk. That's always encouraging. And, and we can kind of visit but God's inviting us to so much more than just being visitors in the kingdom business. As she said, you can be a visitor or you can be a resident. Now, you all may not know what it is to be a resident. My wife was a resident alien. I don't know if you knew that or not. She was a Mexican citizen with a resident visa card. You know the green card they used to call them? She had a green card. It was old. People, we go through the border check places and show the green card. And they're like, you still have one of these? Nobody has these anymore. That's how old we were. But been a resident a very long time. And being a resident is pretty cool because, because now we're participating in the kingdom. I mean, it was resident alien. You get everything here. Basically, you get all the goodies, all the good stuff. You don't get to vote. You don't, you know, but you don't get full status. I mean, you, but you get the goodies. She said, this is kind of like inviting Jesus Christ into your heart. 
You're resident in the kingdom. It's good. You're participating. You're fully there. You, she's buried here. I mean, that, this is the stuff. But it's not all there is. You can be in the kingdom like a visitor, or you can be in the kingdom like a resident, or you can be in the kingdom as a citizen. As a citizen. With all the rights, with all the privileges to vote, to do all of that stuff. She said, this is what God desires of us. This citizenship that that says we are fully engaged and surrendered to the king of kings. We're here. This is home. This is it. We're not going anywhere. And she talked about this idea that it was in this place where we come to to say to the king, here I am. And I keep going back to that passage in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. It's not too much to ask. It is We present ourselves to him, everything that we are. She said that sense of surrender. I'm, I'm reading from her notes again. That sense of surrender is what opens up the secret of the kingdom of God. It's, it's what reveals the mysteries of the kingdom of God. She said it is in surrender that we understand the mystery. It is in surrender that we understand the benefits. We, we, we don't get that. It's, it is in surrender that we understand the mystery of his purposes in our lives. Otherwise, we keep going, well, why this? Why that? And I look back now with my wife passed away and I and I say, you know, she could easily have been that person that said, well, why me, God? And she just rarely said that. Once in a while, we had those conversations. But it is in surrender that we say, God, your will be done in me. It is the prayer of Jesus in the garden. Not my will, but your will be done. It it is that prayer that says, God, whatever you want, anywhere, anytime, anything, anyone. God, you have your way done. It is surrender that says, God, it is not about me, my wealth, my health, my ministries, my anything. God, it is you. Have your way done in me. And in that place, in that surrender, we come to understand the mysteries of kingdom life. Because up until then, we're struggling. We're asking questions. We're going, why why this and why me and why here and why not this? And Lord, you really want me to do that? I don't think so. It is in surrender that all of this stuff of kingdom business makes sense. And in fact, that we are able to live in the kingdom with fulfillment, without frustration and resentment. 
It is the surrendering to the God who has already offered you everything. Finally, she said, it is in surrender that we understand the, mercy, the mystery of what unites the Jew and the Gentile, the rich and the poor, the male and the female, the old and the young, into one body. I don't know what you're thinking about for your 2016. I have a list like I've never had a list in all my life. But I got to tell you, up near the top of that list is this idea that I take from Norma's notes right to my heart. Don't hang your head. You're a child of the king. You're a child of the king. None of us knows what 2016 holds for us. We don't know the blessings nor the sorrows, the joys, the tribulations, the known and the unknown. It all's out there in 2016. But this we can know with assurance. That we are kids of the kingdom. And his love never changes, never fails, never quits, never gives up. As the song says, we sing in the other services. His love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. I tell you, we know that. And that's enough. Amen? Amen. You can choose how you're going to live in the kingdom. I'm going to live like a surrendered citizen. And when I don't live like a surrendered citizen, you come talk to me. <laughs> okay? I'm going to cry because I'm a crier. And I'm going to worry because I'm a worrier. But I tell you what, I'm going to try to do it with my head held high. With a deep abiding trust in a God whose love and compassion and grace never, ever quits. From one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Amen?